Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 24 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Pea Soupers, thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is a check-in with Dr. Dana Lee Bagley, expert in behaviour change. We talk about what's happening in our brains in these extraordinary times, the war that we're all fighting which brings us together across the globe, and how we can check in with our values, as well as hearing how Dana is leading her team. Let's hear from Dana right now. Uh, but your survival brain is always working. You can't turn it on or off, and it's, it's always there, which is what a survival brain should be. Your frontal lobe, on the other hand, is like a battery, and you actually have to turn on your frontal lobe. And you will use up that battery of your frontal lobe as we get through our day, as we control our behavior during the day. Right now, there is so much extra things that we have to do, whether that's because you're working from home or you have children at home or you're practicing social distancing, all of the things that is using up our frontal lobe battery. So there's, and then on top of that, our caveman brain's on fire. So there's really not a lot left in our frontal lobe to show up differently. And so if you, you know, relapsed into old habits, into old behaviors, if you're arguing with your partner or your spouse more often, this is completely to be expected because there's really not a lot of frontal lobe left. And so, you know, what we often say in my household is that we're just like, frontal lobe is gone, no more frontal lobe battery, let's just, you go to that corner and I'll go to this corner and, and let's just take some time because... We'll get back to Dana in just a moment. It really is crammed with goodies. Incidentally, my longer interview with Dana kicked off the People Soup podcast year in 2020. I'll put a link to the show notes and you can hear more about her work as a registered clinical psychologist and also an author. People Soup is a community of people who are interested in behavioural science at work and how we can make it accessible, fun and useful for ourselves and each other. At work, behavioural science has the capacity to enhance our well-being, help us be the person we want to be more often and provide us with perspectives to enable cooperation, collaboration and innovation. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, a first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. And that was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first-rate. Behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients, seasonings, spices and utensils. So welcome to People Soup, where we aim to nourish the mind and flourish at work. P-Super's reviews are in for our last episode, which was ABC with Our Big G, a chat with my dad about basic psychological needs theory. It is more entertaining than it actually sounds. Thanks to everyone who listened, shared and commented. Here's one of the reviews from Chris Winson, who curates 365 Days of Compassion, a brilliant resource. Link will be in the show notes. Chris said, What a super episode of the always fab People Soup podcast, with Ross getting practical examples of attention, belonging and competency by his lovely dad, with some great advice for looking after yourself during current times. Ross, I think you have a co-host in the making. I don't know about co-host in the making, Chris. I think he's way ahead of me for audience engagement. If you do enjoy the podcast, I'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and review it, whatever platform you're on. It helps us reach more people with stuff that could be useful. For now, get a brew on and have a listen to our check-in with Dr. Dana Lee Bagley.
Key Supers, I'm delighted to welcome back Dana Lee Bagley to People Soup. Dana, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me again. Thanks very much for, for taking the time. Now, now Dana is, is a registered clinical psychologist and an expert in behavior change. But before I go on, how are you? How's things with you? How's, how's your roles and how are you? Right. So, um, so I actually, at my job is with the hospital and I actually work on the medical, surgical and cancer care units. And so currently we've canceled all of our non-urgent outpatient clinics um, and that's so that we can be redeployed. So there's a high likelihood, depending on what happens, that I might end up uh, working on a COVID-19 unit at the hospital. So I am actually one of those healthcare providers that all of the, the social distancing um, is trying to help. Great, great. So I don't really have a, a, a response to that other than thank you. Thank you for, for everything you're doing and thank you for the, the information you're sharing about what we're all experiencing now. And we're going to come back to that because this is going to be a, a kind of shorter episode than usual, quite targeted on what we're all experiencing, how we can protect our healthcare providers and, and ourselves. And by the way, I should have said, you're not in the UK. You are in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in I'm Canada. Canada. Yeah. So. Yeah. People may have noticed a slight difference in your accent, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're used to my research department, and there are two things they've picked up. One is that there's a new thing on your website called the Behaviour Change Research Institute, which I'll ask you to talk about in a moment. And then they've picked up on something else because there's a new Wonder Woman film in production and its release has been slightly delayed. And my research department have a source that says it's been delayed because they're reshooting some scenes to allow you to take part in a cameo role. I'm not sure if you can comment on that, but do you have anything that, to say? That would be so awesome if that was true. I totally want to start that rumor and see if maybe someone hears about it and puts me into that uh, movie. That would be so fantastic. Yeah, we did, however, like create some workshops around um, like tapping into your own Wonder Woman. And that was about four workshops for people, um, women, minorities, you know, um, about how to learn how to be big and to take up that space. And also when it's absolutely um, useful to be small and to be able to be flexible in those two roles. Wow, that's amazing because that really struck me from our first conversation. That, that you had it as your ringtone, the Wonder Woman theme, to remind yourself that you wanted to be big in sharing skills and behavioral change with people. So, And I, I found the new, the movie version of the ringtone too. So it's, so I now have the ringtone from the, the recent movie that came out. Brilliant, brilliant, love it. Can you tell us anything more about the Behavior Change Research Institute? Yep, so that's um, a research institute that is, um, run partly by the hospital and by Dalhousie University. So I'm the director of that. And we have a number of psychologists and other allied health that work there. Um, our research goal is to study behavior change, primarily in chronic disease. And that includes both behavior change for patients, but also behavior change for healthcare providers. So we do research on how to help patients um, 
manage their health better, as well as how to help healthcare providers interact with patients in a way that better supports um, self-management of chronic disease. So trying to teach them kind of psychological principles, often using acceptance and commitment therapy, as well as motivational interviewing um, and behavior therapy within their scope of practice to interact with patients in a way that better supports behavior change. Wow. In, in time, I will come back to you and your colleagues for to find out more about that, because that sounds quite groundbreaking, what you're doing, bringing it together and, and focusing the attention on the, the healthcare givers to probably make their job more satisfying. It is. I think it does really, you know, um, address a lot of the frustrations that healthcare providers have. It's also a huge change in practice for them. And so I think we underestimate um, the extent to which using kind of behavior change skills in chronic disease management is actually behavior change for the healthcare provider. And so we try to do a really parallel process between, you know, understanding readiness of patients, but also understanding readiness of healthcare providers to change their practice. Great, great. Okay, so if I can, in the future, I'll, I'll get you or maybe your, one of your colleagues back on to talk to talk more about that because I think it's something that'll be a definite first for here in the UK and in, and in our NHS. Thank you. Now, Dana, wanted to get you on in particular to talk about Blimey. What's happening for us all? We're probably all experiencing some level of anxiety, some more than others, and get your tips for our well-being in this extraordinary time in which we are all living. Yep, so I think it's helpful to kind of understand a bit again how our brains are gonna process this. So right now, um, our caveman brain, right, is kind of on fire. And our caveman brain, again, sort of uh, shaped during when we were cave people. It controls things like emotions, automatic thoughts, memories, learning. Um, so some important aspects of our day-to-day -day existence. And it's well-designed for survival, right, but may not give us great advice for our modern world. And because of um, the threat that is around us all the time now because of COVID-19, our caveman brains are on fire. Um, and so the other part of our brain is our frontal lobe, and that's the, the most recently evolved part of our brain, and that controls behavior. Um, so that's starting behavior, stopping behavior, uh, delaying gratification, long-term planning, uh, but your survival brain is always working. You can't turn it on or off, and it's, it's always there, which is what a survival brain should be. Your frontal lobe, on the other hand, is like a battery, and you actually have to turn on your frontal lobe. And you will use up that battery of your frontal lobe as we get through our day, as we control our behavior during the day. Right now, there is so much extra things that we have to do, whether that's because you're working from home or you have children at home or you're practicing social distancing, all of the things that is using up our frontal lobe battery. And so there's, and then on top of that, our caveman brain's on fire. So there's really not a lot left in our frontal lobe to show up differently. And so if you, you know, relapsed into old habits, into old behaviors, if you're arguing with your partner or your spouse more often, this is completely to be expected because there's really not a lot of frontal lobe left. And so, you know, what we often say in my household is that we're just like, frontal lobe is gone, no more frontal lobe battery. Let's just, you go to that corner and I'll go to this corner and, and let's just take some time because there's not a lot left to show up differently or to show up as our best selves. 
And so I think that kindness towards ourselves, kindness towards other people is really important in understanding how to get through this. Um, I'm amazed some people are being productive. I myself am not. <laughs> when I was off for a week with my 10-year-old son, my whole goal was to not throttle him. <laughs> because we were practicing social distancing. He is used to, you know, 15 hours worth of exercise a day. We were stuck in an apartment, the two of us. Um, so my whole goal was just not to throttle him. I'm happy to report he's still alive. Um, and so that was our success. But there was no homeschooling happening. There was no productivity happening, right? And I think it's just important to be kind to ourselves that um, there is a lot going on. And so it's hard to show up as your best self. I think, I think, thank you so much for role modeling that for us and saying that as, as someone I, I look up to is saying, hey, being, being so honest and open, that, that's really helpful because I think there's a lot of stuff on social media about how to make yourself mega productive. I didn't bake anything. We didn't do any like homework projects. There was no science fair happening at home, nothing. We were just trying to not throttle him. That's it. Yeah. Understood, understood. Because people are saying, oh, maybe you can write that novel you've been thinking about. Exactly. Look, there's not a lot of frontal lobe left. It's okay if you're not being productive. That's to be expected. So the other thing that I found helpful too is um, really to think about this like a war. And I think part of what we struggle with a lot right now is that none of us have any experience with acute illness, right? So most of the acute illnesses in the world have been eradicated. We haven't had to deal with tuberculosis or a mumps outbreak or a smallpox outbreak. These are just not things that we understand how to deal with in our culture. We do understand kind of the, the culture of war. We've all watched enough war movies, even if we weren't around for any of those things. We often have, you know, parents or grandparents that like were in a war. And if we thought about it like a war, some of these like extreme behaviors we have to do would actually make more sense. We would understand these sacrifices that we have to make in order to, you know, for the war effort, as we have mm. said, we start saying in our household, this is for the war effort. We're not having a play date for the war effort. Um, because that kind of puts it into contest and gives us a script, a cultural script about how we're supposed to handle this and how we're supposed to deal with it. And I actually take some comfort in the fact that it's actually not a war against other people. So other generations did have to you know, do these extreme things because they were in wars against other humans. And I take some comfort in the fact that, that actually we're not fighting other humans, that everybody on the planet is fighting the same enemy. We are all working towards the same goal. All the countries want a vaccination. All the countries want to protect their people, right? We're actually not fighting other humans. We're fighting the same enemy. And I take some comfort in that, even though it's a situation where there's no comfort whatsoever. Mm, I like I like this. It, it, it's what brings us together or what can potentially bring us together. Yeah, and really, I think even though we've all shut down borders and all those things, the only way we'll really succeed is if we cooperate between countries, right? There, there are things about this particular war against this virus that are in a way to our advantage. We know how to deal with viruses. We know how to make vaccines. We had the genome mapped like within 10 days or something and it was shared with all the different countries. You know, when the HIV crisis happened, um, it took two years before they even knew what the virus was, right? We know what the virus is. We know how to deal with viruses. And all the countries, you know, there's no human on the planet who isn't impacted by this. So when people, you know, start talking to me about worrying about their finances, worrying about, you know, schooling, all these things, the best thing I can come up with is, yeah, we're all screwed. 
we're all totally screwed. Actually, I usually use a swear word instead, <laughs> uh, but I won't on your podcast. But basically, we're all screwed and we're all screwed together. There is no human on the planet that's not impacted by this. So somehow, the people who are going to get through this are the ones that work together. The ones who get through this are the ones who are going to think about community, about cooperation, about sharing information. The people who are thinking about protecting themselves or being greedy, they're not going to make it through this to the same extent that the communities will. And so I take, you know, some comfort in the fact that that's how we're going to get through this is we're actually going to get through it together. I think that's a really, really powerful message that collaboration and community are the, are the keys to this. Yeah. And that, you know, I remind people for lots of people now it's mandated, you know, the social distancing kind of rules are mandated. And so they're following the rules, but also to remind yourself about what are your values around why you're practicing social distancing or why you're following the rules. And to some extent, that's about being willing to do something difficult for yourself or another human, right? You may not be at risk, you may be at risk, you may be somebody who has you know, an underlying condition um, or is at risk um, for this illness. Most of us aren't. 80% of people are not gonna you know, be significantly impacted by this. It'll be like getting the flu. We'll have a couple miserable days, but we'll get through it. There is a certain percentage of the population, obviously, that is at risk. And so to remind yourself about your values, about why you're doing this, because on some level, it's about being willing to support people who are more vulnerable. It's about being willing to do something that's hard to support people um, who are, you know, the most vulnerable vulnerable in our society. And I think that's a lovely, wonderful, amazing thing to do. Because social distancing is really hard, right? It is the opposite of what we recommend for good mental health. And I think it's helpful to think about that it's really physical distancing, right? We actually want to encourage emotional connection. We are very fortunate to live in an era where we actually can connect electronically. So you actually can maintain physical distance and still have emotional connection. So find ways to connect with other people, call up people that you haven't talked to. I have myself have learned how to have a drinking party over Zoom, so <laughs> which I never thought I would do before. My kid has had lunch dates uh, with his other classmates via Zoom. Awesome to watch like six little boys, 10-year-old boys have lunch together over Zoom. It's quite entertaining. Um, so make use of that technology. Even if you, there's lots of people who don't have like great internet, right? You can write letters to people. Imagine getting a letter in the mail from somebody that you, you know, some, you know, not like, hey, how's it going? But like, you know, some heartfelt letter, um, mm. use the phone, use whatever means you have. Try to make it a regular thing. So what's, what's hard about being home is that we lose our routine, we lose our opportunity to socialize, and we might lose our sense of purpose. If you're working from home, then you might still have the purpose, right? You want to try to create a routine. So for example, have a regular lunch date that you set up with someone, because then you only have to ask once and you have like regular contact with somebody. So that sort of stuff is like going to reduce your frontal lobe capacity, you know, about how much effort it takes to socialize. We really want to think about, are you charging your frontal lobe, right? Have you done anything to charge your frontal lobe? What's your battery level at? We have, you know, a system with some of the other physicians that I work with that we actually check in on each other on a daily basis about where's your battery at. Because that's, you know, for a healthcare provider, that's what puts them at risk. Because most of them have pretty good immune systems, you know, they are exposed to things all the time. Um, what gets them into trouble is that they are worn down 
and they're working too hard. And so they don't have the battery capacity to fight off the illness. And so we check in with each other and, you know, ask, where's your battery at? We have a, like, I actually wrote down a list of the things that I do to recharge my battery. And I check off to make sure I've done some of those each day, because again, my frontal lobe can't keep that in place. I don't have enough frontal lobe to even remember those things. And then we have a system of checking in with, you know, each other about what do you need to do today to recharge? Where are you at? So that we can take care of ourselves so that we can make it through this. Mm. Could you give us an insight into to what's on your list to recharge your batteries maybe? Because it might just give our listeners some inspiration. Yeah, so there's really common ones for most people, right? Getting good sleep is you know, a battery recharger. Um, eating good foods is a battery recharger. Um, and those are kind of pretty straight up gains. Um, there's also things that are like a net gain, you know, so friendships, for example, are a net gain. You have to put some effort in, but hopefully you get more out of it. And it's not a zero sum game. So both people can get more out of it. Right. Um, so social connection is definitely one for me. Um, exercise is definitely one. If you can like get outside and go for a walk, um, you know, those are things that we know are recharging. And again, social connection is a big one for me. We have um, a meeting with some of my team every morning and we make sure it's video because again, there's something different about the human brain when you can see the other person as opposed to just hearing them. Um, and that also forces us to like get up, get dressed, right? Like put your clothes on for the first little bit. If you're working from home, having meetings in your pajamas feels really fun. But over time, that's, you know, it causes problems over time. So you want to kind of make sure you're sticking to your routine, set an alarm, get up. Um, and so having a morning meeting actually helps us kind of get our day started and we talk about what we're going to work on that day and we check in on our battery with each other about what we're what we're doing, what we need to do. You know, some people cope by being busy. So some people in my lab, I'm like, do you need something to do? Because I can give you stuff to do. Other people like don't want to do anything and they want to just, you know, um, and so I'm like, if you don't need anything to do, then I won't give you anything. And that can change on a daily basis too. That like, you know, today I need something to keep my mind occupied or like today I feel overwhelmed and I'm just going to go watch Netflix. And so really do what you need to do Unfortunately, this is going to be a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? We are going to be dealing with this for a very long time, unfortunately. And so we have to think about a long-term game here. Uh, do you think it's worth checking in on our values as we go through with this marathon? Because they might they shift? As Absolutely. So I have often talked to people who have health crises when they're young. So for example, somebody who gets diagnosed with cancer in their 30s and Although I would never want them to have to learn it in this way, I wish they could learn it in a different way, there is this part of it which is a gift because they realize what's really important in life. There is no one who gets to the end of their life and says, and I wish I'd just worked more overtime. Like no one gets to the end of their life and is like, if I just had cleaner floors, if I had just done more laundry, things would have been fine. No one says this, okay? They focus on friends and family. And so people often, when they go through a health crisis, they reevaluate what's important and what comes to the top is always friends and family. And so because this is like a health threat for so many of us, even if you never get sick, it can be an opportunity to reevaluate, right, what's important. And for many of us, we've had to slow down. Again, not because we want to, but there is an opportunity there to, you know, I've had some patients say like, 
maybe I kind of was too busy. Like maybe I didn't need to be doing all that stuff. Right. And so there, this is, you know, a really good time to think about your values and to think about what's important. Um, and these kinds of things put that into focus for us. Mm. And, it, and, it, and I think it also gives us that long term perspective. I often say to people, you know, 10 years from now, somebody will say, what did you do during COVID-19? And I, I hope for you that you look back and you're proud of what you did. That might be because you maintain social distancing, because you put up with your spouse being beside you every day, um, working from home, right? Those are things that make a, a very big impact. And again, as someone who might be somebody working directly with COVID-19 patients, I am grateful for everybody who is sacrificing um, by maintaining social distance because that is the factor that will impact how many people actually die of this, right? We, As medical professionals, we know how to treat this. This is not new novel things that we need to do, but there is a limit on ventilators, there's a limit on beds, there's a limit on healthcare providers, and that's what flattening the curve does. And so when you engage in social distancing, that is absolutely what you're doing. And it is a sacrifice. It sucks. It sucks to social distance. <laughs> There's nothing good about it. But it is having an impact. Um, and again, if you can think about this as your contribution to the war effort, um, because it actually does make a difference, but it is very difficult to do. And I think that that reflecting that it's it's part of our contribution to the to the war effort that it's, it's not easy, like you say, it sucks, but it's so valuable and it will help people like you and your colleagues manage those who, who do contract the virus and are very ill. Hey, P-Supers, at this point we talked about online resources and Dana highlighted a couple that you might like to check out. My gym is actually doing online gym lessons. Mm -hmm. And so they're actually live online that you can join by donation. And the donation goes to support local businesses. Um, and so anyone on the planet can join in on these sessions. And it's actually quite meaningful to do it when it's live because you can see other people interacting. Some people keep their videos on so you can see them doing the workout. It really does actually create a sense of connection that's different than watching a pre-recorded gym exercise um, and as part of that I'll be doing a mindfulness class once a week on Sundays and we're going to touch on you know what are your values as well and we're going to practice mindfulness skills because again there's a whole bunch here we have no control over but we we do have control over where you put your attention and so mindfulness is one of those things that can can help manage that. Dana, there's something else you've just reminded me of is that your sister, I saw she was doing lullabies on Facebook. Yes, so my sister is a professional singer and she's a voice coach and a music teacher. And so she came up with this idea, which I just love, which is um, lullabies. And so on Tuesday nights, she sings lullabies. Right now, it's, you can access it through my Facebook account, which is um, Dr. Lee Bagley. So D-R-L-E-E-B-A-G-G-L-E-Y on Facebook. And, um, and so she offers this opportunity just to hear lullabies, which I think is fantastic because I think we all need a little um, comfort. We all need a little calm. And so I think that we know music is great, you know, in coping. And so uh, that's a lovely, again, free thing that you can do um, if you'd like to. And, and I'll put that link alongside the links for the gym, if I could get those from you and your, including your mindfulness sessions, that'd be wonderful. Dana, thank you so much uh, for taking the time 
to speak to me and the Peace Supers on this. I appreciate how busy you are. I appreciate what we're all going through. So your advice and insights are enormously valuable. So thank you so much. I'd just like to finish just a, a, a new question, I think. It's, it's good to focus on the things we're grateful for in these times. And could I ask you, if it's possible to share three things you've been grateful for this week. Yep. So I am definitely grateful for every human who has chosen to engage in social distancing at a cost to themselves. I am grateful for um, governments when they have stepped in and made the decision for individuals so that they don't have to make that tough call themselves. I, I understand lots of people, you know, don't want to be um, governed that way, but as a healthcare provider who, who may be working directly with COVID-19 patients, that is going to make an impact and it is going to save lives. So I'm grateful when governments do step in and, and make that decision for individuals. I'm grateful to live in a place where people value supporting one another and where they want to take care of each other. And that's part of the culture in Canada, which is to um, support people who are um, more vulnerable so I'm grateful to live in, in you know, a culture that values that. And so, and, and I'm grateful that we are all in this together, that there is no human on the planet who isn't going to be impacted by this. And we are all screwed together. So <laughs> you are not alone. You may be all by yourself, social distancing, but you, we are actually all in this together. Brilliant. Dr. Dana Lee Bagley, thanks so much for joining us on behalf of myself and the P-Supers. I wish you all the very best, uh, particularly in your, your future roles. Thank you for everything you and your colleagues do. And we'll catch up soon. Great. Yeah, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. P-Supers, that's it in the bag. Thanks again to Dana for her wonderful practical tips and insights. If you like this episode or the podcast, could I invite you to share it with one other person? I'm really keen to spread the behavioural science and skills with more people. Of course, a subscription, rating or review are also very much appreciated. The show notes are at rossmackintosh.co.uk and this includes links to a few different platforms. I love to hear from you so you can connect with the show at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at peoplesouppod on Instagram at people.soup and on Facebook we are at peoplesouppod Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and to you for listening Have a great week peace supers Don't forget be kind to each other and yourself and bye for now Yeah, take care out there I hope everybody is well out there <laughs>